Support for Charlotte Readers Podcast is provided by Charlotte Mecklenburg Library, a connector of readers, leaders, and learners with 20 locations and a 24-hour online presence at cmlibrary.org. Welcome to Charlotte Readers Podcast, where authors give voice to the written words. We're a proud member of the Queen City Podcast Network and the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network, a series of author-hosted podcasts uh, distributing literary content to a worldwide audience. I'm your host, Landis Wade, a recovering trial lawyer turned author turned podcaster of books and stories, and I really appreciate you being here. Very quickly, before we get to the uninterrupted interview today, a few quick words about some of the benefits uh, for our listeners. Number one, we have show notes uh, for every episode uh, with images, links, and information about our authors at charlottereaderspodcast.com. And number two, if you're into audiobooks, uh, we have a relationship with Libro.fm, which supports indie bookstores. If you sign up with Libro to get your audiobooks and use the promo code CHARLOTTEREADER, you'll get an extra audiobook free. Number three, if you go to charlottereaderspodcast.com or my personal website, landisway.com, and you sign up for the book report, you're going to get it every other Tuesday. And here's what you'll get. Recommended readings, author interviews and videos, reading and writing tips, doses of inspiration, a free ebook by yours truly, and more. We won't spam you. That takes way too much time. And finally, we've got a lot of great content that we put out on our exclusive Patreon channel. If you like what we do here, uh, that is our mission of helping authors give voice to their written words, and you'd like to help us uh, defray the costs of this project, you can jump over to Patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Charlotte Readers Podcast, and you can tap into all the great extra content we've got that's curated by our authors and me about uh, their writing lives and the craft and business of writing and other things too. But enough with the prologue. Let's get to the uninterrupted story of our guest and the one they've written. In today's episode, we visit with Amy Willoughby Burley, author of The Year of Thorns and Honey, the standalone companion to her debut, The Lemonade Year. This second chance romance follows photographer Nina as she navigates the messy and imperfect intricacies of the relationships in her life. Her rebellious teenage daughter, her ex-husband, fiance, her complicated family, a man she once loved, and most important of all, herself. The reemergence of her ex-lover forces her to reflect on her past and ask some hard questions about her future. With deeply flawed characters and vivid prose, The Year of Thorns and Honey is an exploration of the universal desire to find your true path. Heather Bell Adams, author of The Good Luck Stone, had this to say about the book. In The Year of Thorns and Honey, Amy Willoughby Burley has crafted a warm, heartfelt story of second chances, exploring how we move forward in grace. With stunning emotional and psychological depth, the novel's engaging characters wrestle with decisions large and small and discover that starting over can be the most meaningful gift of all. You'll be drawn in by Nina's charming voice and end up falling in love with her honest vulnerability and her earnest desire to choose the best path. Amy, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so uh, it's, uh, it's good to have you on the show and congratulations on the book. Thank you. Yeah. Now, a little bit about you before we get started here with the book. Uh, you grew up in a small coastal town. Uh, I think it's Cure Beach, North Carolina. And uh, mm-hmm. 
Curie, all the names of it, yeah, all these things with the E that you say, <laughs> Curie. Curly, Burley, uh, yeah. <laughs> you started uh, writing at uh, East Carolina University, and you're now a writer and, and teacher living in Asheville uh, with your husband and four children. And uh, so how, how does, how does uh, being raised in the small town uh, and the life that you're leading inform your writing, and, and particularly this book here, The Year of Thorns and Honey? Yeah, I I loved growing up in in Curie Beach. Um, it was idyllic in in every way, and I think I do still have that small town um, sensibility of of family and and neighborhood and community, and that definitely um, informs my writing. the The year of thorns and honey is sort of unofficially set in Asheville. Uh, I don't name it as as Asheville, but um, locals and you know folks who've been would certainly recognize some of the places and i think that um just the sense of of community and and family um it really informs how i write you know as as opposed to you know i don't tend to set things in in big cities Asheville is actually a pretty small town um a, a really cool town but a pretty small one and so i, I yeah i definitely think that you know when i'm when i'm crafting a story I'm really thinking about um, the the characters and uh, and how they how they function within their whole community. All right, so uh, Amy, you write uh, you know sort of about the mystery and wonder of life, as you say, and it's uh, contemporary fiction that focuses on these themes of second chances, redemption, and finding you know the beauty in the world around us. And I'm I'm curious as to what draws you to these themes. I, I think that I'm drawn to those particular themes uh, of of um, second chances and redemption and learning how to see the the beauty in the world around us because it's such a universal uh, set of of themes. I think um, everyone is going through you know that kind of thing. We're all making mistakes and hoping that we're given second chances. Um, we're uh, looking, you know, for forgiveness and, and very often in situations where we're called to forgive others. Um, and the, the beauty in the world around us, I think uh, sometimes we get so wrapped up in, in things that aren't going well, or, or especially, you know, 2020, the way we wish things were that we very often don't stop to, to take stock of of the things that that are wonderful and and the the small beauties especially I think is is really what draws me is is the the small things that that make our lives special. Yeah. So what what uh, kind of teaching are you engaged in? Oh gosh, I have uh, I think I have the best teaching job ever. I teach uh, mostly creative writing and some literature to uh, middle school and high school kids through a program called Elevate Life and Art, which is a homeschool enrichment program. Uh, so I have very small classes, but um, I'm lucky enough to have classes filled with uh, students who really want to learn to write and students who really love to read. So it's the it's the best of uh, you know, all worlds as far as a, a teacher is concerned, really engage students uh, who really love the subject. And and I feel really lucky. Um, I've got some kids in my writing classes that 
are just amazing. I feel like I'm I'm seeing the you know the, the the little middle school faces of people that will be on the shelves and in the future some some really wonderful talent and and I'm I'm happy to to be part of their journey. I know when when I started writing I was in that same age, um, but uh, you know typically in school you don't really get that opportunity to um, to re- to write creatively uh, in your classroom. So I'm I'm happy that they have that and and hoping that that it will keep those fires lit for them. And the reason I asked that question is because I also asked teachers who are authors, um, you know, whether the act of teaching, uh, writing, uh, and helping others with the craft also helps them with their own writing processes. Definitely. Um, very often, I'll be in the middle of a lesson and I'm teaching something, you know, e- either something basic, you know, for creative writing or, you know, a, a technique that's a little bit more advanced or something about plotting. And and while I'm talking and teaching them, I'm thinking, oh, goodness, I, I need to do that in my own story. I, I, I see where I'm going wrong. Um, <laughs> here I'm telling them <laughs> to do this and, and I realize I haven't done it. So definitely, it, it certainly goes both ways. Yeah, that's great. Well, um, you're the author of The Lemonade Year, I mentioned, and a collection of short stories. You're also a contributor to a number of anthologies. And your second novel that we're talking about today, The Year of Thorns and Honey, um, which released in September 2020, uh, is kind of a continuation of the kind of writing you did in, in The Lemonade Year. Uh, but you're writing all this material, um, and you're doing it with four children. You're doing it while you're teaching. Uh you know, we were going to talk on Patreon. We're going to have a special Patreon episode coming up, uh, listeners, with, uh, you know, with Amy and I talking about a fun topic. I'll let you know later. We almost thought about talking about writing, working, and uh, family balance. And since we're not doing that one, I'm going to ask that question now. How do you balance all that <laughs> and get it done? <laughs> it is really tough. I think the the biggest thing for me is just to to be flexible, um, to, to set goals, uh, such as maybe, um, you know, Thursday, I, I'm going to get some writing done from you know 11 to 12, and being really determined and uh, disciplined to do that, but um, not have my whole world thrown off if it doesn't happen. Um, uh, it, flexibility really comes into play, and and just being able to pick it up at, at the drop of a hat. Um, you know, I don't have a, a special coffee cup and a, a favorite shirt and, a, you know, I, things don't have to be just so. Um, I really have to just be able to see, hey, everybody's okay for 30 minutes. I'm going to sit down and write and just jump right into it. So it's, you know, I, I, I don't have time to, to work myself into it. it. It's just sit down and go. Is that why you write about the messy of everyday life? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, now, in in the book here, uh, you've gotten some nice praise for the book. Um, you know, I mentioned it in the beginning of the, of the show and uh, some others that talk about, uh, you know, the characters um, and the intricacies of family and forgiveness and the vivid prose and so forth. But they're also talking about the complexities you raise uh, in this book. Uh, but then again, it's a romance, right? They talk about that. Um, how do you mix all those together? You're, you're dealing with all these different issues, but you're throwing a little bit of a romantic theme in there too. Um, talk about that a second. I think that's just a product of of that being the, the way that life is. That There are light moments, and then right on the heels of that, there's you know something uh, deeper and, and more poignant. Um, I think that 
um, I know I like to read, um, I, I, I guess I've got, um, you know, I, I, I love a good, you know, thick, really have to think about it, uh, piece of literary fiction. And then I, I also love to, you know, turn on the Hallmark Christmas movie and, and, you know, where I know exactly what's going to happen. And it's just all about exactly. you know, two people falling in love. And, you know, I love both of those things. And, and I think our actual lives are both of those things. Um, you know, at the same time, you're experiencing, you know, that um, those feelings of, of falling in love or, you know, fixing a relationship that was broken. You know, off on the other hand, you've got a difficult relationship with a parent. And um, I think they go hand in hand. So I just tend to write about both of those things at the same time. Well, let's talk about uh, the title of the book and the book cover a second uh, before we have a reading here. You, we're going to hear from the voice of the protagonist here because it's in you know, first person, uh, which is always fun. And, uh, but the, the title, uh, The Year of Thorns and Honey, talk about that. Well, the, this title, um, I really was playing off of the title of the first one, The Lemonade Year, uh, which is, you know, um, sort of, I guess, book one, if you, were, if you were thinking about them as a set, although The Year of Thorns and Honey is, you know, standalone. Um, so I knew I kind of wanted to do the, the, the year of something. And I knew that Nina, our main character, was still struggling with... Um, the messiness of, of life and trying to balance that with uh, seeing more of, of the, the good. In the first book, she's often very pessimistic and, and not able to see the things around her that, that are good. Um, in this book, she's, she's trying really hard to, to see the, the, the sweetness, <laughs> but um, she's... Well, I, I, you know, I, I, she's I, I was say, but we're, we're going to hear her <laughs> <laughs> We're going to hear yeah. a voice in the beginning of the yeah. book, though, and it might not be exactly as rosy as you just described. But yeah, to start out. yeah, maybe she's not trying that hard. <laughs> but I really like the yeah, idea yeah. of, um, you know, the the honey. That same product is is sweet, and uh, but it's also very messy and and sticky. Uh, you know, when it's when it's spilled mm -hmm. all over, and I, I just thought that that kind of um, really encapsulated Nina's. Uh, you know, life, it's, it, it is very sweet. And there are things that are going wonderfully well for her in this story. But um, it, she does manage to still make a mess uh, of everything. Yeah, well, you, the story begins, uh, she actually is, uh, Nina's going to prick her finger on the thorns of a rose. And uh, she's going to reflect a little bit about life after, after that happens. And, uh, but then you've got the honey, which is going to, uh, kind of percolate, uh, you know, metaphorically you know, in the book as it, uh, continues here. Um, the book cover, it's, uh, it's, there's some honey on the book cover, right? <laughs> there is <laughs> a whole jar of it. <laughs> <laughs> a whole, whole jar of it. And, and, and that image, uh, you know, of honey, uh, I don't see any thorns on the cover, so this must there, be a yeah, optimistic book, right? <laughs> it is. Maybe yeah. that's, uh, uh, you know, ultimately, <laughs> you know, the, the hopefully the, the honey outweighs the thorns. Exactly, exactly. All right, well, let's do a quick overview of the book before we have the opening read here. Um, Nina is a photographer. Um, she's your protagonist. Um, you know, she, I didn't read The Lemonade Year, but I assume she was you mm -hmm. know, in that book as well, yes. and she, she's bringing forward another another year in her life. And uh, you say that she's the kind of the person that likes uh, 
or at least appreciates control. She's trying to maintain some level of control in her life because she's tr- she's got a teenage daughter who's what around seventeen years old. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yes. yes. Yeah, and she's engaged or dating, kind of working toward an engagement to her ex husband, which adds an interesting dynamic. And uh, you know, she's also keeping a secret, uh, which is always good to have secrets in novels, right? So. Uh, and when she thinks she's got it all figured out, someone important surfaces and forces her to take a hard look at what she really wants and why. And so um, talk a little bit more about the book without, let's don't give away spoilers or anything like that, but talk a little bit about the, a little bit about the arc here and what we're dealing with in this story and some of the calamities and conflicts that, that are going on. Sure. Um Nina is, uh, like I said, she's a, she's a photographer and, um, she's kind of coming back around into her own as far as, um, her job, um, being satisfied with where she is work-wise. Her daughter is, um, you know, a teenager and, you know, well, while there's, you know, all mess of, of problems there, she's kind of, you know, not needing as much attention perhaps. And Nina's really, um, at a point where she's wanting to uh, find herself again um, to figure out who Nina is as Nina, as opposed to mom, wife, daughter, sister. And she is given a, a a pretty amazing opportunity um, along the way in the book, but struggles to, to try and figure out how to accept that, um, which really would be, uh, she feels like it would be um, maybe selfish of her to take it. It's uh, a career opportunity, at, which I think speaks to, um, you know, not that men don't go through this as well, but um, I know a lot of women really struggle with um, their self as uh, a career person um, and their self as a mom and a wife and and how to balance those two things. And so in, in the book that I think that's what Nina's trying to do. She's trying to have it all and not really sure what all is. And, um, along the way she, um, says a a special person comes back into her life that, uh, causes her to, to be honest with herself, I guess is, is the best way to, to say that she's, um, not really having a, a, a an easy time of um, honesty. Uh, I've I've had several folks um, both like and be frustrated with Nina's uh, um, struggle with uh, <laughs> with doing the right thing. Um, but I think she's she's put in a situation where um, where she's really having to take a look at at what she wants and and why and and how to how to balance that out. Yeah, like you say, you know, because, you know, you, you want to support family, you but you also want to support your career. Uh, and I'm wondering, are these the kind of issues that uh, Amy Willoughby Burley has been thinking about over the course of her life? And, and so these things kind of come out in, in the form of a novel? I think so. Um, I, I love both aspects. I think, uh, you know, all aspects of my life. I love being a mom. Um, I've got two teenage daughters and then two younger sons. Uh, so the, the mom job is, is 24 seven at the same time. Um, I really love writing and teaching and, uh, but I can't be everywhere all at once. And there are definitely, um, the mom guilt is strong (laughs) sometimes. Um, 
And yeah. yeah, it's it's hard to balance it out. And I think it's it's probably impossible really to 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 put, you know, everything in one spot and everything in another spot and and to be all things to all people. I think a lot a lot of times um you know, especially women feel like they have to be all things to to all people. And that's really that that's a tough bit of pressure to, to have on you. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, you could have somebody walk in tomorrow and say, hey, Amy, I really love your books. I'd like you to, uh, you know, I, I want you to write this uh, novel. We're going to publish it in about four months. I need you to really devote significant attention to this. And, uh, you know, it's going to be national presence. And by the way, this, this, and this. And suddenly it's going to be the year of thorns and honey 2.0, right? Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, you know, that that would be wonderful if, you know, someone were to say, hey, you know, we need you to spend eight hours a day, seven days a week doing nothing but writing. Right. I was like that on the one hand, sure, yeah. that'd be a dream, but, you know, an impossibility. So. Yeah. Well, um, so we'd like to do this on the show uh, as part of the brand of Charlotte's podcast where the authors read their work. And uh, we're going to start at a, at a good place. Uh, have you read uh, you know, three or four pages from the opening of the book uh, uh, so that listeners can get a sense of who Nina is. This is in first person. Um, it's uh, January in the book because uh, it is a year, right? So uh, whenever you're ready to start, just uh, take it away. It's just like me to force roses into bloom. More like me to find my finger pricked while pruning them. A bright red dot of blood blooms on my thumb, while outside a gray sky parts to release an unexpected snow. It's 10 a.m. on New Year's Day, and already I'm looking for a loophole to get out of my resolutions. Be more positive, drink less coffee. Oh well. I push open the curtains that cover the glass doorway to my balcony so that I can get a good look at the white nuisance falling from the sky. I don't like snow, so sue me them. Isn't it magical? Doesn't it make you feel like all the world's aglow? Me. No. I check the sliding glass door just to make sure it's locked, as if the snow has fingers and might slip them around the handle from the outside, and slide the door open to let its cold self in. Safely on the inside, I turn the terracotta pot that contains my latest project, roses, orangey red ones whose actual name I have forgotten, around so that the sun can find the other side of the bush, only there is no sun. I reach into the plant and pluck a withered petal and am pricked again. I give up. New resolution. Drink all the coffee. Wallow in negativity. Done. Still, there are blooms on the bush, and that says something. On the way to the coffee pot, I put my thumb to my lips and taste the tang of metal. I shiver, having forgotten to turn up the heat last night, and the air in the condo is still and cold. My bare feet rebel against the tiled floor of the kitchen. What's the difference between a resolution and an empty promise anyway? How does the changing of a single second from one year to the next produce significant change? I mean, I'm still wearing my pajamas, and technically, I can say I haven't combed my hair since last year. Yes, that does it. Pressure off. No need to pretend to become a better version of myself overnight. Yeah, um, so this happy person you described earlier, she's starting off a little uh, <laughs> a little bit of a mood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. she is uh, i think she it, uh, she really wants to be happy but it's just not her um her default setting <laughs> yeah and but you know that's the good thing is the books have an arc and this one does too and so she's going to learn and grow but one of the things she has to deal with is she's growing is uh her teenage daughter which which and, and this this character 
you know, has mastered the art of the eye roll and the uh, sarcasm in terms of responses to her mother and to her father, her, you know, the ex-husband. Um, did you have fun with that character? I did. Um, I have two teenage daughters. Um, and I, I'll just say, in case they listen to this, <laughs> one of them is an eye roller and one of them isn't. <laughs> but okay. I, I I definitely did have have fun um, with the, the character of Cassie. And, and of course, it made me wonder, you know, as a teenager, was was I an eye roller, you know, or not? You know, you, I think you have a, a better version, a rem- remembrance of yourself as, as a kid than, than, than you might have been. I, I should ask my mom if, if I was an eye roller. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you bring in the uh, sort of the romantic uh, conflict here with the ex-husband and trying to think, I mean, she even contemplates it one time in the book, you know, what am I thinking about, you know, marrying my ex-husband here? And then someone else enters her life that might be a potential suitor. And she's struggling with that as well. Um, Where'd this idea come from to have her date her ex-husband? Um, in, in the first book, um, a little bit of a, of a cheat, a lot of the ideas for this one actually come from the first one, but in, in the first book, um, the, the two of them are, uh, divorced and you kind of find out why that happened. And, and a lot of it has to do with, um, misunderstandings and lack of communication and things that, that could have been fixed. Uh, but, uh, I guess maybe pride got in the way quite a bit. And so what I wanted to do for this book, uh, because I really felt like the two characters did still love each other very much, and probably neither one of them was really wanting that marriage to end, um, but just didn't know how to get over themselves enough to um, offer the other person enough grace and understanding to um, to have that relationship work out. Um, and Jack, her husband in the first book, um, is such a, is a character that I love so much. I didn't want him to become the absentee father who disappears from the story. I wanted him to, to be back um, in their lives in the way that, that he really wanted to be. Uh, so, um, and, and of course, you know, what, what a complication to have, uh, to try to start something new uh, with an old relationship. So I thought that would kind of give them both uh a bit of conflict. You've added conflict in a number of, you know, different ways here. You've, uh, of course, you've got parenthood. You've got the, you know, who do I date? Who do I have a relationship with? You've got the parent-child. But then you add, you know, alcoholism into the picture here with, um, I think it's her brother, maybe, who's going through that that struggle. So, uh, I would say this book is uh, it's very much character driven, not as much setting driven, but you're, you're dealing with the characters lives and, and, and the struggles. And it's sort of about them trying to figure out how to make their way in life. Isn't it? Yes, definitely. Yeah. I, um, I really think that, you know, each one of the characters is, is struggling to, to figure out um, how, how to be a, I don't know if better version of themselves is the right thing. I think sometimes we think that way that we need to be a better version of ourselves. But I think that what they're doing is is struggling to, um, you know, to figure out how to just be um, in the world given the the issues that they have. And um, yeah, her brother is um, struggling with alcoholism. Um, their mother did as well and managed to to conquer it. Um, but it was certainly a, an issue that that shaped their childhood. 
And the two siblings, Nina and, and Lola, um, did not go down the, the avenue of, of alcoholism, but, but Ray did, um, even though they had seen the, their mother struggle with that same thing. Yeah. And so, you know, all these characters are searching for something uh, as part of the you know, focus of the novel. And I'll, I sometimes ask writers, you know, when they write these kinds of books, if they were searching for something themselves and if they found it through writing the book, how, how was that experience for you? Um, I think, uh, one of the things that I, that I, uh, I think on the, the, the first book, I have a, a, a place in the uh, acknowledgements where I, I say, you know, this is not my family. Um, cause my mom was like, everybody's going to think I'm an alcoholic. And I was like, okay, this is not my family. <laughs> this is not my mom. This is not my brother. Right. Um, but I think that, um, you know, the, the similarities would be that, you know, as, uh, a sister, I do have one brother and one sister that I, I want to try and help them through their struggles. They want to help me through mine. Um, I think all, uh, children, uh, and, and parents have parts of their lives that work out really well, um, and other aspects in which they're maybe struggling. So I think that as far as working through something, you know, for me as the author, you know, in, into the book, um, was maybe just having that opportunity, I think more so to honor the relationship. Um, I'm very fortunate to have a, a, a wonderful relationship with my brother and sister. And, um, you know, I, I've got things I struggle with. They do as well. You know, my brother is not an alcoholic. My sister does not have a brain injury. But we all have our, our issues. And I think that um, my my relationship with my siblings is very strong and I wanted a, a chance to, you know, to, to honor that in, in the writing and to kind of explore the, the feelings that go along with that, the gratefulness, the, um, just that loyalty and, and bond. Yeah. Now you do, you do a great job with it here. And, and as I'm thinking about this sort of sliding into our writing life discussion, um, did you have these problems solved in your head? when you started writing or did you put these characters in these difficult circumstances and then try to figure out how they were going to work their way out as you wrote the book? Maybe a little bit of both. I, and in the writing world, we always talk about, are you a plotter or a pantser? And I think by nature, I am, am very much a, a pantser. I, I just hear conversations and I begin writing and, and I just sort of see what happens. But um, having, having written a novel before and um, and and gone through uh, the process of trying to plot after I have pantsed. Um, I'm trying to work them <laughs> both a little bit better at the same time. Uh, so I didn't really know exactly how it would pan out. Um, I knew what situations I was putting them in, and I kind of hoped for the best for for the characters. And one of the fun things about writing is just kind of seeing what happens. You know, it's, um, I hear so many writers, you know, say the same thing, you know, they're, they're currently typing and, and as they're typing, the character is doing something they didn't expect. And you have this weird sort of, um, uh, you know, who, who is writing this story? You know, it's it's my brain and my fingers are on the keys. How are you managing to say this thing and and do this thing? And Ray was probably the character that um, that I knew the least about how his story arc would play out. I think I did know uh, what I intended for Nina and for Jack, and uh, but Ray, I did not really know um, when I went into it how 
how bad off he might get, whether or not he would make a decision to get help. So whenever he came around in the story, it, it was always a bit of discovery on my part as to exactly what was going to happen. Yeah, well, I know exactly what you're talking about because I've written three books now. In the first book, I was very much a pantser. Then I started thinking a little bit about it when you're writing a mystery. You know, if you get too far down the path, you can't come. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it is it it is fun. Uh, you know, Stephen King ascribes to that notion that you put somebody in a difficult spot. Maybe you put them in a car and a dog named Cujo outside and you figure <laughs> out how the movie's going to end. You know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, they got to figure out how to get out of the car. So, so in this case, she's got to figure out how to get out of her problems in her life and, and solve them. So, okay. So you've now written, uh, you're a teacher, you've written several novels. And I, I just want to ask this retrospective question, uh, as you look back, uh, before you wrote your first novel, now that you've written your second novel, um, and maybe even going back a little bit further, um, based upon your experience, what, what is something you might uh, tell your younger writing self, uh, that you've learned in your experience that, uh, that would help your younger writing self, um, with this, uh, thing we call writing? I think, and, and this is, again, when, when we talked about how the teaching actually is helpful to me, I say to my students all the time, and I think that, you know, I am kind of talking a bit to my younger writer self, is just to, um, just to keep going through that, uh, that messy first draft. I think I probably spent too much time, um, because I love language and, and imagery and uh, getting just the right sentence, you know, just going back and back on the same chapters and not letting myself get to the end of the story. Um, so always one of my biggest pieces of advice, and I, I think if I wish I had, had done more of this myself, is is just to keep writing and, and see what you get, that you can go back and, and fix the messy draft later, but there's not much you can do um, with nothing. So I, I, I wish that I had done that <laughs> a little bit more. Yeah. Don't, don't fly spec every sentence when you're writing that yes. you know, first draft, kind of get it on the page and then come back and revise it later. That's, that's really good advice. Um, so let me just tell our listeners that uh, we, we do have a treat here. We're going to be, uh, Amy and I are going to be jumping over and just second to our Patreon channel. And uh, we're going to be talking about, uh, I think the title we're using is Publishing Journey of the Not-So-Rich-and-Famous. We're going to talk about some yes. practical things related to, to publishing. If you're not rich and famous and how that works, uh, you can check that out on our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash Charlotte Readers Podcast. You can also find out more about being a patron on uh, our website, charlottereaderspodcast.com. It's just a few dollars a month. You can get uh, access to all these uh, conversations I have with uh authors about their writing lives, deeper dives, the craft of writing and the business of writing. Uh, and we do this to, uh, for those of you who help us uh, support our mission of helping authors give voice to the written words. And we thank you for that. Um, just to finish up here though, before we go over there is, uh, you know, second novel, uh, a lot of writing under your belt now. Um, what do you want people to take away from this book? I, I want people to take away a sense of hope. I think that's probably what I'm doing in everything that I write is is just the idea that however bad things are going, uh, to not lose hope. Um, uh, humor, um, as, as pessimistic as Needham was there in, in the first uh, chapter, I, I think she's a, a pretty funny uh, person as well. Um, 
and just uh, a, a sense of, of connection to other people. I think one of the reasons that I do tend to write about uh, regular people in everyday settings is that um, our connections to each other as people are the most important things, which I think, gosh, in 2020, we're seeing that more than ever. Um, just the that need for the the people in our lives that that we love and um, and in in stressful times being able to um, show grace and, and forgiveness of of others and and of ourselves you know Nina one of the things that she struggles with is um, maybe being great gracious to herself as well and and cutting herself some some slack and and, and others too but definitely hope I, I want people to to go away with with a, a sense of uh, of hope. Yeah, I love that hope and humor, and there is humor. And I mean, even in the first uh, chapter here, when the, you know this, I, I like the self-effacing humor. You know, doesn't it make you feel like all the world is aglow when it snows? Me, no. And then, and then when he talks about New Year's resolutions, uh, drank all the coffee while in negativity. Done. Now let's move on. You know, so, so yeah, I enjoyed, I enjoyed the character. Enjoyed how she uh, talked to herself and uh, you know talked through her issues. So. Um, is there going to be a third book with Nina and these characters? Well, I have definitely had people ask, when is the third book coming out? So um, I, 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 and I do kind of have some things plotted and, uh, and I know some of the story that, that might happen. So um, I don't see why not. Um, if folks want to read it and, okay. and, yeah, and, and, and I already know what would happen <laughs> for the most part, other than those surprises, why not write it down? Uh, other than what your muse tells you as you're writing it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> well, uh, exactly. Well, Amy, this has been great. Uh, I want to thank you um, for being on the podcast. Don't forget listeners. We're going to jump over and do this other episode, which would be fun on, on Patreon. But uh, Amy, thank you for being on Charlotte Reese podcast. Thank you so much for having me. This has been really great. Well, that's it for today. Another fine author giving voice to the written words. You can subscribe to this podcast for free at Apple Podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and most any podcast platform you like to listen to your podcast on. If you like what we're doing, please consider leaving a short written review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast platform of your choice, because when you do, our authors' voices travel much farther and wider in podcast land. And if you're inclined to help us help authors give voice to the written words, and you'd like some member-only content cultivated by our authors and me as our thanks, please consider becoming a member supporter. You can find out how to become a member supporter and more about today's show and all previous episodes at charlottereaderspodcast.com. Thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. I'm Landis Wade for Charlotte Readers Podcast. Charlotte Readers Podcast is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. For more information, go to queencitypodcastnetwork.com.